Book Three, Chapter Four of the History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume Two by Henry Charles Lee. Book Three, Jurisdiction, Chapter Four, The Edict of Faith. Occasional allusions have been made above to the edicts of faith, whereby the tribunals obtain knowledge of offenses coming within their jurisdiction. This was one of the most efficient methods by which that jurisdiction was exercised and was brought home to the consciences of the people as an ever-present power. It rendered every individual an agent of that inquisition, bound under fearful penalties, spiritual and temporal, to aid it in maintaining the purity of the faith, and, at the same time, it made every man conscious that his lightest word or act might subject him to prosecution by that terrible court whose very name inspired dread. No more ingenious device has been invented to subjugate a whole population, to paralyze its intellect, and to reduce it to blind obedience. It elevated delation to the rank of high religious duty. It filled the land with spies, and it rendered every man an object of suspicion, not only to his neighbor, but to the members of his own family, and to the stranger whom he might chance to meet. Continued through generations, this could not fail to leave its impress on the national character. Even Mariana, in enumerating the results of the Inquisition, ventures to allude to the cautious reserve which it rendered habitual among Spaniards. A somewhat crude prototype of the Edict of Faith is found in the Old Inquisition, when inquisitors visited their districts and, at each town, summoned an assembly of the people, preached to them, and caused to be read an edict calling upon all the inhabitants to come forward within a specified time and reveal anything that might tend to suspicion that any one was a heretic, under pain of ipso facto excommunication, removable only by them or by the Pope. While this was nominally preserved in the Aragonese Inquisition, that institution had become so inert that we may assume that the inquisitors no longer visited their districts or had occasion to issue edicts. In Castile, when the Inquisition was founded, this practice was evidently unknown, for the instructions of 1484 merely order that when the inquisitors open their tribunal in any town, after the sermon, they shall publish a monition with censures against all who resist or contradict them. By 1500, however, the efficacy of what became known as the Edict of Faith had been discovered, and Inquisitor General Deza, in ordering yearly visitations of the districts, specifies that, on arriving in every town or village, a general edict shall be issued, summoning those who know anything of heresy to come forward and reveal it. The form of this was probably the same as that which, in the same year, 1500, the inquisitors of Sicily, Dr. Scalambro and Montoro Bishop of Salafu, issued, requiring all cognizant of heresy to denounce it within fifteen days, promising secrecy to the informer and threatening with prosecution as fautors of heresy those who failed to do so. 
in catalonia the concordia of 1512 in alluding to the edict requiring the denunciation of all offences against the faith shows that it was already an established custom while in 1514 the instructions of inquisitor-general mercader prove that the various offences included in the expanding jurisdiction of the inquisition were specifically enumerated for the general term of heresy no longer sufficed the effect on the people of these proclamations with their threats and anathema is vividly expressed in the description of terror excited by the publication of the edict when the tribunal of rennes made a raid on arjona as in the course of time new fields of activity were opened to the inquisition the enumeration of offences requiring denunciation grew to be a long and detailed catalogue in which all the acts by which they could be recognized were specified so that there could be no excuse for omission the simplest and oldest formula which i have met is that published in mexico at the installation of the inquisition in fifteen seventy one and in view of its comparative brevity it is given in the appendix subsequently the edict grew to portentous dimensions the purport of which can be gathered from an abstract of that of sixteen ninety six it begins by reciting that the fiscal has represented that for some time there has been no visitation or interest made in many places of the province whereby numerous crimes against the faith remain unpunished seeing this complaint to be justified the edict is addressed to every one individually so that if he has known or heard say that any one living or dead present or absent has done or uttered or believed any act word or opinion heretical suspect erroneous rash ill-sounding scandalous or heretically blasphemous it must be revealed to the tribunal within six days then follows an enumeration of all jewish rites and customs then similar lists concerning mohammedanism protestantism and illuminism then under the heading of diversas heregias follow blasphemy with the specimens of heretical oaths keeping or invoking familiar demons witchcrafts pacts tacit or expressed with the devil mixing for this purpose sacred and profane objects and attributing to the creature that which belongs to the creator marrying in orders solicitation of women in confession bigamy saying that there is no sin in simple fornication or usury or perjury or that concubinage is better than marriage insulting or maltreating crucifixes or images of saints disbelieving or doubting any article of faith remaining a year under excommunication or despising the censures of the church having recourse to astrology which is described at length and pronounced fictitious being guilty of sorcery or divination the practices of which are described with instructive profusion possessing books condemned in the index including lutheran and mohammedan works and bibles in the vernacular neglecting to perform the duty of denouncing what has been seen or heard or persuading others to omit it giving false witness in the inquisition concealing or befending heretics impeding the inquisition removing san benitos placed by the inquisition throwing off san benitos or non-performance of penance by reconciled penitents or their saying that they confessed in the inquisition through fear 
saying that those relaxed by the inquisition were innocent martyrs non-observance of disabilities by reconciled penitents their children or grandchildren possession by scriveners or notaries of papers concerning the above enumerated crimes confessors moreover were ordered under the same penalties to withhold absolution from penitents who had not denounced all offences coming to their knowledge this was a tolerably searching grand inquest in which the whole population was summoned to assist and the ceremonies of its publication were designed to render it as impressive as possible on the saturday previous a proclamation was made by the inquisitors requiring all persons over the age of twelve or of fourteen in some texts to assemble to hear the edict and on the following sundays to hear the anathema under pain of excommunication and of fifty ducats in the smaller towns this proclamation was made by the town crier or if there were none by house-to-house -house notification the next day at the offertory in the mass the edict was to be read slowly distinctly and in a loud voice after which the priest was to explain the obligation to denounce whatever was known of the living and the dead of themselves or of others and the peril of omitting it it was not to be talked about but was to be done directly even if it was known that others had done so otherwise the penalty was incurred in larger cities especially the seats of tribunals the ceremonies were more imposing in seville for instance on the afternoon of saturday before the second sunday of lent the familiars assembled on horseback at the castle of triana where they formed a procession with drummers and trumpeters and the town crier to escort the alguazil mayor and one of the secretaries of the inquisition this wound through the city stopping at eight principal places to publish the proclamation and to order that there should be no sermons in other churches on the days of the publication and anathemas then on those sundays other processions were timed to meet the inquisitors at the doors of the cathedral and san salvador the churches designated for the ceremonies inside the secretary at the proper time mounted the pulpit and read the edict the sermon followed and then the mass was resumed when the six days allowed for denunciation or confession had elapsed a second proclamation was made reciting the former one and adding that the fiscal complained that many had not complied with it and he demanded the fulmination of the censures in the most aggravated form an edict was therefore addressed to all priests requiring them at high mass when the people were assembled to denounce as publicly excommunicated and anathematized all who had not obeyed the first edict sprinkling holy water to drive away the demons who kept them in their toils and praying christ to bring them back to the bosom of the church if they persisted in contumacy all faithful christians were ordered within three days to withdraw from all intercourse with them under pain of similar excommunication both those who should have confessed and those who should have denounced but who continued contumacious were involved in the anathema pronounced on the third sunday this was an awe-inspiring solemnity the clergy marched in procession the cross was covered with black and two flaming torches were on the altar 
where the priest stood in profound silence during the reading of the curse. We excommunicate and anathematize in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, in form of law, all apostate heretics from our holy Catholic faith, their fautors and concealers who do not reveal them, and we curse them that they may be accursed as members of the devil and separated from the bosom and unity of the Holy Mother Church. And we order all the faithful to hold them as such and to curse them so that they may fall into the wrath and indignation of Almighty God. May all the curses and plagues of Egypt which befell King Pharaoh come upon them because they disobey the commandments of God. May they be accursed wherever they be, in the city or in the country, in eating and in drinking, in waking and in sleeping, in living and in dying. May the fruits of their lands be accursed and the cattle thereof. May God send them hunger and pestilence to consume them. May they be a scorn to their enemies and be abhorred by all men. May the devil be at their right hand. When they come to judgment, may they be condemned. May they be driven away from their homes. May their enemies take their possessions and prevail against them. May their wives and children rise against them and be orphans and beggars with none to assist them in their need. May their wickedness be ever remembered in the presence of God. May they be accursed with all the curses of the Old Covenant and of the New. May the curse of Sodom and Gomorrah overtake them and its fire burn them. May the earth swallow them alive like Dathan and Abiram for the sin of disobedience. May they be accursed as Lucifer with all the devils of hell where may they remain with Judas and be damned forever. If they do not acknowledge their sin, beg mercy and amend their lives. Then the people responded, Amen. While the clergy again marched in procession, chanting the Psalms, Deus laudum meam and miserere, to the chapel or altar. The great bells tolled as for a death, and the bearers of the torches extinguished them in the font of holy water, saying, As these torches die in the water, so will their souls in hell. And the procession was resumed to the sacristy. After this, the edict continues. Anyone knowing these things and not revealing them, and remaining contumaciously and persistently thus for a year, is held suspect in the faith and shall be prosecuted with all the rigor of the law. Thus all the resources of religious terrorism were exhausted to impress upon the popular conscience the supreme duty of denouncing kindred and friends for the slightest act or word which might be held to infer suspicion of heresy or of the varied classes of offenses over which the Inquisition had succeeded in extending its jurisdiction. It is true that the constant abuse of anathemas in the pettiest quarrels with officials, lay and clerical, must have somewhat blunted their effect. It is also true that casuistry, early in the seventeenth century, had no difficulty in proving that, when the obligation to denounce involved danger to life or reputation, the natural law of self-protection overrode the positive law of denunciation, with its threat of excommunication. Still, to those not trained in such subtleties, and who piously believed in the power of the keys, 
it was impossible that this terrible accumulation of curses temporal and spiritual should not overcome natural affection and human kindliness it was not the fault of the inquisition if spain was not converted into a nation of spies and informers in which no man could trust those nearest and dearest to him the edict of faith was published annually on a sunday in lent in cities which were the seat of the tribunal and during the earlier times elsewhere when the inquisitors went on their visitations indeed we are told in fifteen sixty that it was of little service unless the inquisitors visited their districts for people would not incur the labor and expense of coming from a distance and the publication was regarded as the chief object of the visiting inquisitor who was directed to see that it was made in the monasteries as well as in the churches visiting their districts as we shall see was the duty most disliked by the inquisitors which they shirked whenever possible and with the development of postal communication it was easier and more speedy to send the printed edicts to commissioners for distribution what was the total number thus annually showered upon the land we have no means of knowing but it must have been large in fifteen ninety five the inquisitor arevalo de zuazo reporting his visitation of the mountainous diocese of urgel vich and Sosona, states that he distributed six hundred copies among the parish churches besides personally publishing it in all the towns from a printer's bill of june seventh seventeen fifty nine when the custom was declining it appears that in valencia the edition printed was four hundred and a list of churches in the city in which it was posted amounted to sixty-three this device was not confined to spain though rome was somewhat tardy in adopting it the congregation of the inquisition issued january third sixteen twenty three a brief edict commanding the denunciation within twelve days of all heretics under pain of excommunication removable only by it or by the pope this was followed january tenth sixteen sixty six by one more in detail specifying the offences to be denounced it was universal in its character and therefore applied to spain but as usual the spanish inquisition maintained its independence and continued to employ its own more elaborate formulas although the annual publication remained the rule there were occasional intermissions in sixteen thirty eight for instance it was suspended without a reason being assigned and again in sixteen eighty nine on account of the death of maria luisa wife of carlos the second local causes also sometimes interfered with it especially when questions of etiquette arose as that which we have seen in valladolid in sixteen thirty five over the point whether at its reading a bow should be made to the sacrament or to the inquisitors sixteen years later we are told that since then there had been no reading of the edict at valladolid and that in consequence during the visitations of the inquisitors other places refused to have it read on the ground that this was not done in the city where there was a full tribunal a similar trouble arose at quito because the audencia refused to allow the commissioner of the inquisition a seat with a cushion during its reading for this in sixteen ninety nine and again in seventeen hundred he appealed to the viceroy stating that in consequence of this it had been many years since the edict had been published there with the decline in the activity of the inquisition 
towards the close of the 18th century, there grew to be negligence in the annual publication. In 1775, the Suprema ordered that there be no change with regard to it. A document of 1777 indicates that it was still customary, but on inquiry in 1784 by the Suprema of its tribunals, whether or not it had been suspended, shows that it was falling into desuetude, and another of 1806 asked how long it had been since the publication ceased, indicates that it had become obsolete. The efficacy of the Edict of Faith is incontestable, although in 1578 the Inquisitor Francisco de Ribera, in reporting his visitation of the diocese of Girona and Elna, and his publication of it in places which had never before been visited, complains that it did not render the people disposed to make denunciations, which he attributes to their limited intelligence. In more enlightened centers, its effectiveness is seen in the frequency with which accusers preface their charges with the statement that their attention has been called to the duty by the publication of the edict. It naturally set men to searching their memories for what they had seen or heard respecting the various offenses so elaborately enumerated and described. For instance, the edict was published in Madrid on September 4th, 1569, and the next day Hans de Evelo appeared before the Inquisitor to denounce Hans Brunsvi and Costanancio, two members of the Royal Guarda Tudesca, for things which he had heard and known of them, but of which he had thought nothing until he heard the edict read. It was the same in stimulating self-denunciation, whether through pricks of conscience or fear of accusation by others. Thus, in 1581, we have two cases following each other, in which Juan Gonzales and Bartolome Benito accused themselves of having, in conversation with their wives, asserted that fornication is no sin, for which they both were duly penanced and fined. The wives were sent for and confirmed the confessions, which we may safely attribute to the fear that the spouses might be led to denounce them. The habit of delation in which the Spaniard was thus trained continued after the Edict of Faith ceased to be published and was stimulated by the assurance of immunity through the profound secrecy which denied to the accused all knowledge of his accuser. The records of the tribunals show that these were welcomed, no matter how flimsy was the evidence, nor through how many months it had passed. Thus, January 5, 1816, the Dominican Fray Vicente Menendo writes to the tribunal of Barcelona that he had heard Joseph Castellar of Manlieu say that on Easter Day, 1815, he had been discussing some pending suits with the advocate Balderich when the time came for hearing the Mass, and he said, Let us go to Mass, to which Balderich replied by a contemptuous expression. Instructions were therefore forthwith sent to the commissioner at Panalada to put the denunciation into formal legal shape for prosecuting Balderich. Informers thus were not put to the trouble of coming forward personally, and facilities for delation were brought to every man's door. Thus, on June 28, 1807, Dr. Pedro Reguar of Surya writes to the tribunal of Barcelona that he has a denunciation to make, and asks that a commission be sent to someone in Surya to receive it. 
Full instructions were accordingly sent to the parish priest of Surya. When the deposition was made to the effect that eighteen months before, at the clinic in Barcelona, Requar had seen in the possession of a student named Pedro Sitsas a book entitled Eusubeo, which he understood to be prohibited, and a year ago he had also seen a copy in the hands of another student named Jaime Col. In this case, the tribunal, with rare moderation, only ordered its apparitor to seize the books in the hands of the students. So carefully were the accusers protected against recognition that when, in 1818, Don Francisco de Mora, a retired lieutenant of artillery, accused Don Tomas Sanz of the same corps to the tribunal of Valencia because, in a loose conversation between them, he had asserted that there was no sin in fornication. And when Mora found himself obliged to testify against another officer, Manuel Moreno was present. The tribunal dropped the case at his request because Moreno would have identified the source of the accusation. The very triviality of these cases is the measure of their importance. It was not merely the Judaizing converso or the secret Protestant, but the whole body of the Catholic nation that was exposed to prosecution and infamy for a thoughtless word, the denunciation of which was commanded by the edict of faith and invited by the impenetrable secrecy of the tribunal. The shadow of the holy office lay over the land, and no one could feel sure that a trusted comrade might not at any moment become a spy and an informer, or might not repeat an incautious word until it reached someone who recognized the inexorable duty imposed upon all, a duty more deeply felt by the conscientious than by those of easy morals. There was, moreover, the fatal facility afforded for the safe gratification of malice, as in the case of John Joseph de Campillo, whose merits raised him from obscurity to the position of finance minister under Philip V in 1740. In 1726, when holding a responsible office in the administration of the navy, he had a quarrel with the Geronimite Fraile over the occupancy of a house, the fraile forthwith collected gossip about him especially from a dissolute chaplain whom he had dismissed from the service and all this was welcomed by the tribunal of logroño which commenced to gather testimony against him with a view to prosecution it came to his ears through the boasts of the frailes as to what they had done and the profound horror which seized him at the prospect of being dishonored for life by the mere suspicion that he was liable to prosecution shows how terrible a weapon the system placed at the service of malignity in the life of a nation outward calamities can be survived and recovery from their effects is but a work of time far more lasting and benumbing are the results of the perpetual and unrelaxing vigilance which seeks to penetrate into the secret heart of every man to control his thoughts, to stifle their expression, to repress every effort to move out of a beaten and prescribed track, to destroy mutual confidence, and to lead each individual to regard his fellows as the possible destroyers of his reputation and career. Such was the system imposed on Spain by the Inquisition, and its appropriate expression is found in the Edict of Faith. End of Book 3, Chapter 4